everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And would it really be an episode of Lipstick and Lightsabers if Alex and I didn't have an hour's worth of internet slash technology problems before we started? Always. <laughs> Always. It's, it's pretty funny because it's like we were getting too comfortable. Like we hadn't had a tech issue in like a bit of a while, <laughs> like at least live. Like sometimes you have issues on your end when you're editing. But we haven't had, yeah. like, one while we're recording in a while. So <laughs> I think my computer was like, well, you know, you got too comfortable. So. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I just, like, you know, like, I rolled up, like, five minutes before our recording time. I'm like, my computer is just going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because you messaged me and you were like, I was ready. <laughs> I'm like, I believe you. <laughs> Yeah, last week, like, I had um, editing issues because my mic was being weird, and I found out it's because my cat has been gnawing on my microphone cable, Um, so that's great. But, of course, before we get into it, um, just some housekeeping things. Um, If you want to support the show, we do have a copy account. We have our shop. It always makes me so happy when I get an email that says somebody was in our shop because I'm just like... Yay! I know we haven't had new art in a while, but there are still so many amazing things that you can check out on there. And also, if you want to send in your Star Wars story, we would still love to hear from you guys. Instructions for how to do that are in the description of every podcast episode, or you can send us a voicemail to our Saylinks account. And with that, uh, we do have some wrecks, um, some that we've seen before. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of rewatching, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, we've been rewatching a lot of things. I think you in particular have had like quite the rewatch journey. Um, yeah, so every once in a while I just get like this urge to watch Fleabag. And I mean, I think you know it too. Like it's so good. It is so good. And it's it's very easy to just binge the whole thing because yeah. the episodes are so short. It's like basically watching two movies, maybe yeah. two and a half. Like, because did we did we watch the whole thing in a day when no, I cast I think we it did for you? A season in a day, and then the other season another day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like sometimes I'm like, should I just skip to season two and just watch season two? But <laughs> season one is amazing too, so I usually just end up watching both. I actually really like um, the end of season one. Like it just, it's very sad. Um, actually, mm-hmm. but it, it just, I don't know. I think like the journey that it, yeah. like, that we go on in that, like you can really tell like what Phoebe was trying to say. And I really, I really appreciate that. It's just so femme gaze. Like you don't it's get very that many shows like that. No. Um, uh, we also both rewatched, um, High School Musical, the musical, the series. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> Which you guys got to get ready because they're going to do a holiday special. So... Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for. So I'm so excited. Because <laughs> like I said to you, if it's anything like the Glee um, Christmas episode, which is like the most angsty thing ever. And like my teenage self when I saw that episode was like, oh, my God, like this is amazing. Um, and, and we know that show goes hard with the angst, like rewatching it. I I actually still have one episode left. I, that just hit me. I still Shannon. have one episode. I didn't finish my rewatch. <laughs> the Ricky Love confession at the end is like, I can't believe you haven't watched it yet. The improvised love confession. So good. So good. Um, in a similar vein to that show, uh, we also 
both watched Julie and the Phantoms. I'm about halfway through it. Alex finished <laughs> yeah. it. So Alex messaged me and she's like, I don't understand. Everybody's obsessed with Julie and the Phantoms. I'm going to try it. And you watched it and you were like, I don't understand. You need to watch it. And I watched it and I was <laughs> um, crocheting and it takes me like forever to do like one section. I'm making a blanket. And so I watched like four and a half episodes and I'm like, I don't know. It's dumb, but like I'm entertained. <laughs> I think I just had to, like, realize that, one, it was Kenny Ortega, which I didn't know. Yes. yes. And I was like, okay, this makes sense now. (laughs) It's just, it's literally about himbos. Like, the dumb energy that this show just radiates is off the charge. Yes. Yes. It's just, I'm pretty sure that it still started as some sort of One Direction Wattpad fanfic. Yeah, so, like, it really just feel like that, but then, like, I looked into it, and it's actually uh, based on a Brazilian TV show. Hmm. But I wonder if that Brazilian TV show is based on the One Direction (laughs) Wattpad fic. Which, who knows? Like, Like, um, the power of One Direction Wattpad fic has generated so many things. Well, Netflix is just like, we're gonna buy the rights to every Wattpad fic, and they're, like, going so hard on it, and, like, I have to respect it, because, you know, like, they're making these movies for pretty low budget, and, like, they're getting, like, a lot back from them. Yeah, I mean, you know, why not? And the music in Julie and the Phantoms does go, like, really hard. I actually really enjoy the music. (laughs) But I do think it's funny that they died in, like, what, 1995? Yeah. So that's, like, so long ago to Julie. Well, yeah, because then you see, like, people that they knew, and you're like, oh, wait, they're, they're parents now. Like, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's so weird to wrap my mind around, which is funny because, like, my mom and I are watching The Haunting of Bly Manor, which takes place in 87, and my mom said the same thing. She's like, it's so weird that, like, people think 87 was so long ago. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking of Bly Manor, though, I've only watched one episode, you've watched more episodes, and we're both wrecking that so far, at least. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Anybody, okay, so, like, anybody who's afraid that it's, like, scary, it's it's not scary. Unnerving. It's just really sad. It's, it's a little bit unnerving. Oh, yeah. Well, like, there's – I like the the take that they have on, like, what a haunting is. Yeah. Um, particularly in the last episode we watched, like, the way that this person is haunted was just, like, very fascinating. And, like, my mom didn't get it. And then, like, I started explaining it to her. And she was like, that's so cool. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know, right? Well, I mean, Haunting of Hill House was very sad also. Haunting of Hill House was scarier, too, mm-hmm. I would say. I was a lot more unsettled yeah. with Hill House. Whereas with this, like, I am kind of, like, waiting for something to happen, mm-hmm. but, like, I appreciate that they're not trying to just yeah. do Hill House again. Though they are building a lot of suspense. I find they're building so much suspense, that, and, and that suspense is kind of scaring me more than mm-hmm. anything they're revealing. Like, yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I would say, like, the scariest thing about this show is that there are um, people that don't have faces, um, like, a lot of the ghosts don't have faces, and I feel like that's going to be some kind of, like, there's going to be some sort of sad reason of this, mm-hmm. um, which I also just re- I also just read The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, and, like, that whole thing is kind of about her being a ghost. Um, so, like, I'm expecting that, but, like, every time a, a ghost shows up, like, I just, mm, the little girl, like, gave this 
ghost boy a face. And I'm like, no, it's worse. It's worse. It's worse. You just gave him a doll face. I don't like that. (laughs) But I like that they have kind of taken this new kind of spin on like a horror ghost story Mm because it's the same thing that we kind of see in Monsterland, which we also watched. We watched all um, eight. It's eight episodes, right? Yes. Yeah, we watched all eight episodes. We did it in, what, three sittings? Um, Mm -hmm. But, like, both of us were very much looking forward to Kelly's episode, and that ended up being my favorite. Um, Yeah, I do think Kelly's episode mm -hmm. was the best. And I don't think that's me being biased. I really did like hers the best. Um, But it was interesting. It it really felt like... um, It felt like Black Mirror, but instead of technology, it being monsters. Mm -hmm. I I really like that... It was, it was about monsters, but, like, the monsters weren't, like, yeah. they weren't what was scary. They were just kind of there. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, a, a manifestation of, like, what was going on. Um, like, you really get that in the first episode, because, like, the monster is, like, a, kind of like a skinwalker. And it, it was, like, a reflection of, like, the main character feeling like she was trapped in, like, her identity. Mm-hmm. Um which I, I would say, like, with this show, I liked every other episode. I yeah. liked all the odd ones. <laughs> um, so, like, the first one, which had the girl from Booksmart, mm-hmm. which was awesome. She's amazing. She did so good. Oh, man. And, like, I'm, I'm not, like, a big video game player, but she's, like, said interest that she wants to play Ellie in The Last of Us, like, a TV which show. Which I'm here for. Which, like, I think she would be perfect. Honestly, like, the Ellie that we see in The Last of Us 2, like, she would be perfect yeah. as that. Oh, so good. Like, that one, there was one about, like, denying the truth, but, like, it was manifesting itself as this music, and she deafens herself. Like, oh, I thought that was yeah. really cool. And then I liked the the corpse one as well, the fifth episode. Mm-hmm. It was just interesting. And then, like, the other ones were kind of weird. Well, it's like Black Mirror. Like, I, like Black Mirror's the same way where it's, like, hit or miss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think with any kind of anthology, some things are going to be better than others. Um, I do appreciate with the show, it had a lot of women behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. particularly Kelly Marie Tran's episode was like written and directed by women. And I just I think you could really feel that. And that's probably why we liked it so much. So we definitely recommend that stuff. And same thing with Monsterland that I said with Bly Manor. It's not exactly scary, it is kind of unsettling, and, like, some of the monsters can be scary, but, like, it's not, yeah. like, horror as in, like, gore and jump scares I would thing. I would say, though, both of us, like, relatively like horror, so it's hard mm-hmm. for either of us to say it from a perspective of someone who gets more scared by that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm so desensitized yeah, that, like, exactly. I, it's hard for me to say that it's not mm-hmm. scary because it's like, oh, it didn't scare me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But we also did have um, quite a bit of news this week all about uh, publishing, which yeah, is our, right now. Yeah, like, our alley. <laughs> yes, we love publishing right now. Um, so we got the reveals for all of the um, authors and stories for Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. Now, there are 40 stories. We're not going to talk about all 40 stories. Um, but which ones were you most excited about? L3. Oh, my gosh. What what went through your mind when you saw that we were getting an L3 story? I, like, my jaw dropped. Like, and I was not... 
expecting it. Like, I and I think that if I had thought about it more, maybe I would have been like, oh, what if we got an L3 story? Like, I wasn't really thinking about it. Because, like, we wanted this, like, for a while. Like, we've yeah. always wanted, like, a little bit of, like, a, a look into L3. Yeah. I, like, I was so happy. And, like, I sent you the link right away. I was, like, I, I, I'm, like, I'm speechless right now. The L3 story is called Faith in an Old Friend. Um, and it's by Brittany N. Williams. So, and it's the, the 33rd story. Wait, is there anything about that? Does it say anything other than it's just L3? Um, the blurb is, L3 would have shrugged here if it had been the old days, the days before she'd been uploaded into the Falcon mm-hmm. and had become one of the three droid brains that made up the ship's computer. She'd built herself such good shoulders. So, is this, do you think, taking place near, like, the end of the movie when Lando would be flying? Maybe. I, I think it's definitely because, um, you know, they, they land for like repairs and stuff. Um, there's a scene in Lost Stars. Yeah, Lost Stars. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's going to be around there mm-hmm. for sure. So like I'm wondering like if she's going to be communicating with anyone. Maybe. I think, we're, I, I think it's really going to be kind of like her internalizing which maybe. Which my favorite parts of the solo novel yeah like if it's gonna be anything like the solo novel it's gonna be so good the other one that i'm particularly looking forward to is um by tracy dion it's Mm. from the perspective of the dark side cave that's strange i know like it sounds so weird and i'm like really here for it (laughs) she just wrote um legendborn which was pretty good and like this story sounds so wild and like i love weird force stuff so like i'm really here for that (laughs) what's essay chefra bordy writing about she's hers is from the perspective of the chef for the awkward dinner yes (laughs) yeah so good isn't that hilarious yeah yes oh my gosh oh man okay i'm really looking forward to that one too yeah and i know like kirsten white is writing like the first one in the book i think Mm -hmm. so it's about um somebody on hoth we're getting a story from like the guy who cuts between han and leia when they're arguing (laughs) in the hallway so good that one's called a good kiss he's probably gonna just like complain about them like just flirting all the time and just to get on with it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I think it's going to be cool. That will be coming out November 10th. So we still got a, a little month. bit of time. Wow. Less than a month. Yeah. It's going to come out around the same time as the new consoles. Mm-hmm. Which there's also been a lot of... So speaking of the consoles, um, tell me about Squadrons. You watched a little bit of it. Um, I'm three hours in, which is not that far, I guess. <laughs> Um, okay. People are going to come at me. Um, That's okay. <laughs> I <laughs> I think it's because I'm watching it that I find it boring. Um, maybe if I was playing it, I would be having a better time. I find it very boring. I understand that because I am somebody <laughs> who watches Let's Plays more than I game. So, like, sometimes people are like, this game's amazing. And I'm like, well, it's boring to watch. Like, yeah. That's not the point. But, like, yeah. Um, so, like, that's not, like, an official review or anything. Because, like, I would still, like, if you're looking to play this game, like, 
read some reviews. Like I know Star Wars Explained did a good review and they, they they're loving the game. Um everybody seems to really be enjoying <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um I just wasn't really interested in playing a flying game or investing in paying like full price for a video game. Maybe if it goes on sale, I'll get it and try it. Um the characters are very interesting though, I will say that. They're very diverse. They're very um there's a lot to them. I wish I, I'm I'm not done the game. Obviously, I wish that I would get more from each of them, but probably because I haven't finished the game. I would so like I've I've heard a lot about the characters, and you know, there's an, a non-binary character in mm-hmm. it as well, which is really awesome. Um, I would love like a tie-in novel about them, but I say that like hesitantly because <laughs> I don't want it to be like Alphabet Squadron. <laughs> yeah, I want it to be a little bit more. YA. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm finding that so far at least, all the cutscenes, so I'm watching one with the gameplay also, but all the cutscenes are basically just you getting briefed for the next mission. Mm-hmm. And then the next mission is just like flying for a long time until you reach a certain point and then there's like a dogfight or something. Yeah. So, you know, it's no Jedi Fallen Order, but I have, everybody I've seen seems to really be enjoying the gameplay. So if that is up your alley um, and you haven't checked it out yet, I would definitely give it a shot. I am definitely more of an adventure style type Mm -hmm. of gamer and that's okay. That is totally okay. I love my Fallen Order. I love my Cal Kestis. I miss him every day. Every single day, baby boy. (laughs) Well, we also got um, New York City Comic Con happened, and we got some more publishing news. The first panel that we got was all about the higher public. I wasn't able to watch this one, but Alex uh, informed me of all of the amazing things that happened. Yeah. So um, I got to watch this one. Um, it had some of our favorite authors in it. Um, we also got big news at the end of this panel that there are more books coming. Very soon, too. Yeah. Yeah, the um, the books. So Higher Public is going to get started at the very beginning of 2020. It was supposed to start this fall, but mm-hmm. with coronavirus, it did get pushed back. So it'll be starting in January and February. And the next round of books is coming out in that summer. So yeah, we don't have to wait crazy. too long. I wonder if they were always supposed to be coming out that soon or because of coronavirus and delays on like the Disney Plus shows and such. They were like, let's push out Star Wars content that we can get out. I, I bet that it was already set to come out in the summer or maybe yeah. they were going to do it in the fall again, but then they like moved it up. Mm-hmm. That yeah, would make sense to me. Yeah, because then it would me. be a year gap if it was yeah. going to come out on time, like the first round. Yeah, because um, I'm sure the first round was, like, already done, mm-hmm. um, but then they decided to, like, hold on to it just because of the virus yeah. and everything like that. And I'm like sure that. manufacturing has been slowed down, too. And yeah. That's, that's a factor. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really excited for Claudia's book. <laughs> tell me tell me about it, because she talked a lot about it. Okay, tell me about so, Reef. <laughs> so she only really talked about her main character, Reef. Now... She described him as Space Matthew McConaughey if he had a spaceship, but he also doesn't like using his lightsaber. He, like, will resort to every other option before combat. Mm-hmm. And, but, 
if he does have to resort to combat, he doesn't hesitate. Oh. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm like, ooh, like, what? Like, what Interesting. does that mean? <laughs> he sounds very baby. Um, he kind of, mm-hmm. he kind of sounds to me like, you know, like a good Jedi boy, you know? Yeah. Like, he, he's a good Jedi boy. And, like, this is on me, but when I think of Matthew McConaughey, I think about it as a role in Magic Mike. <laughs> and when I think about that, I think about Rail. Because yeah. he's, like, the cowboy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, I'm trying to, like, take a step back and be, like, wait, what's Matthew McConaughey like and everything else? The only... I haven't actually seen, like, a Matthew Mah- McConaughey Well, there's, movie. um, uh, how to, uh, um, who's a guy in 10 days. There's that. Was he Matthew. in Interstellar? Yes. No. Okay, that's yes. A, no? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if that was him, that's the only thing I've seen him in. <laughs> but you, you haven't seen How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? I have not. Oh my god, <laughs> Shannon! I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, I know. That's the next thing I have to watch. You have to watch Remember Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm very excited about this baby boy. Um, I just, like, there's so much mystery about this book. And it's a YA book. Like, I love Claudia's YA. Like, yeah. it's going to be really exciting. Um, there will almost definitely be romance, right? There's got to be. There's got to be. He's going to meet an angry girl. I just know mm-hmm. it. I know it. Yeah. I I also really liked that they talked a little bit about um, Charles Soule's adult novel mm-hmm. and that the Jedi all perceive the Force, like, in different ways. Yeah. And the main character in that book, it's kind of, like, um, different music. And that's so cool. Yeah, and the Wookiee, it's, like, their tree of life, kind of. Like, it's, like, the branches mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, yeah. I love it. Like, I love I, I everything. I saw somebody... I saw somebody tie that back into um, Legend of Luke Skywalker with yeah. um, the tide. So that's really cool. I like that they're widening what it means to, like, use the Force. Because as we're going to talk about today, like, it starts to get very narrow as time goes on. Publishing is just doing it, like... They're really doing it. Yes. So we talked about more books. They're coming out in summer 2021. The thing that's really exciting is that Kevin Scott will be writing the next adult novel. He wrote wrote, uh, Dooku Jedi Lost, which was amazing. And then Justina Ireland will be writing the next young adult novel. And we have been asking for this. Yes. All she's written is middle grade so far. Yeah. Since she started writing Star Wars, like, since we read Red Nation, like, we have been asking for this. Yes. I'm, like, we don't know anything about it. We don't know what it's going to be about or what it's going to deal with, but... Dread Nation is just mm-hmm. so if she writes yeah. Star Wars YA like she like wrote Dread, Dread Nation, Nation ooh, yes. it's gonna be good. Her I'm character really writing her character writing is fantastic and I find that she doesn't get to showcase that as much when she's writing middle grade. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing with Dread Nation is it's all about the relationship between Jane and Catherine, I feel like. Like more than the zombies, more than anything else, like that it's all about those two characters and we just haven't gotten to see her really do that with her middle Mm -hmm. grade yet it's like we love justina but both of her middle grades haven't been our favorite but mostly just because i think a lot of the constraints that middle grade has Mm -hmm. 
I'm interested since High Republic is going to be original characters, maybe that'll be different. Because she couldn't really do a whole lot with, like, Spark of the Resistance um, because of the Rise of Skywalker. And, like, I think Lando's luck was really good, but I wanted more. Mm -hmm. Because she wrote L3 pretty great. Um, She could write an L3 book. I'd be okay with that. (laughs) So the second day was more about Lucasfilm Publishing. Um, We got a lot of announcements about some more like, um, kids books type things, um, but we did get a little bit more information about, um, Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view, about the art books, um, Zoraida Cordova is talking just, uh, music to my ears when she talks about tragedy. I'm like, yes, please, yeah. give me more tragedy. Pretty. <laughs> Pre- uh, I stand pretty so hard. So much, so much. <laughs> I just, I, she, so, like, both of these authors got to write in the Clone Wars um, stories of light and dark. And when they asked Preeti why she chose, like, the Anakin story that she did, she said that she loves tragedy and, like, she wanted this one because the romance is front and center, but, like, you know that bad yeah. things are about to happen. <laughs> it it, it would have been my pick, too. Yes. Like, it's it's a good episode. I'm happy it's that she so does good. that. And I'm, I'm, like, I get delighted when she says something, like, romance front and center, because I'm like, yes, that is my yes. Star Wars. Yes, please, please. And, like, Zoraida said that she really wanted to, like, pick a story that showed um, Ventress's sadness. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Just hurt me. It really ties into Dark Disciple. It it tied into Dark Disciple so well. Like, I just, oh, man. I, I would love more ventures from her. And people have talked about, like, are they going to announce a sequel to Crash of Fate soon? Which, like, I do want more Zerator Cordova. But, like, I want... I want her angst. She does angst yeah. so well. And there's no angst in Crash of Fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that Crash of Fate necessarily needs a sequel, but Lost Stars does. Lost Stars so does. Which And that's the thing. So they didn't announce with uh, Project Luminous or the Higher Public. They didn't announce what was next for, yeah. uh, for Claudia. So they, Okay. They were not specific. That her next book was luminous. No. They said that she had something coming up. So there is a Star Wars book coming up by Claudia Gray. They did not say if it was High Republic. I'm down for whatever it is, but I hope it's Lost Stars 2. Lost Stars 2 or Obatine. That's my my wish list. (laughs) Obatine. That's my wish list. That is my wish list. Any any of you guys who have listened to the show know... That we want Obi-Teen so bad. <laughs> I think the whole fandom is waiting for Obi-Teen. Like, for that, like, that era, like, when Obi-Wan went and was, like, security with the Duchess of Mandalore. This is the Senator Jedi AU good stuff that we want. Just, oh, please, inject it into my veins. Um, yes. Other than that, uh, they talked about the art of Ma- uh, the art of Mandalorian, which sounds really cool because they said for the movies it's like two hours worth of stuff, and for this it's like five hours worth of stuff. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of cool stuff in it. And then the art of Galaxy's Edge, which sounds like it's going to be really cool because of how much attention to detail they put into everything that's in Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, and it's going to be. A really in-depth book, I think. Um, Imagineering is so fascinating, so it'll be really cool to see. 
Yeah, that book's going to be stunning. I'm I'm so excited for it. So I think with that, we are ready to move into our main topic for today. And we are continuing on with our rewatch of the prequels with Attack of the Clones. I had so much fun watching this. (laughs) I was literally like giggling and laughing out loud when I was watching this movie. It, It makes me feel so good. Like it's just like nothing goes wrong yet. So... (laughs) It's a feel-good, like, romantic comedy, almost. Um, It just, it makes me so happy. Yeah, it does. It, (sighs) like I said to you, the only saga movies I've watched since seeing The Rise of Skywalker in theaters have been Attack of the Clones twice and (laughs) Phantom Menace now. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes me very happy. Yes, it's just, like... (laughs) Like, like you said, like, nothing horrible has happened, like, yet. Um, I think the end of it, like, it's, you know, the illusions are heavily there to, like, what's going to be coming. But it's just so, like, pure. <laughs> Anakin is so happy. Like, it, it's just such an interesting part of the story and I know that like a lot of people don't like it because of the romance or like the delivery or any of that stuff but like this movie is hilarious oh my god every frame a meme oh so so good so this movie we have a 10 year time jump um and everybody has to remark on the fact at how much Anakin has grown (laughs) how he's sprouted um yes (laughs) Yeah, everyone does. Everyone um, does. <laughs> and he makes a note of it. Like, he is, like, aware that, like, Padme has, like, pointed that out about him. Yeah, he's like, I, I've grown up. I'm Look a man. Me. I am Look a man. Look at me. <laughs> I am a man. This is, like, this is Anakin's angsty teenage years on full display. And, like, it's front and center from, like, the minute him and Obi-Wan are in that elevator just like he's primping himself up he's so excited he has been yearning after this girl for 10 years he has sprouted and he's just he's ready (laughs) he is yearning so hard like it is like just like off the bat you're like in the elevator with them and he's like i haven't seen her in 10 years and like and it's just like it's so chaotic (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, you mentioned that he even, like, whines to Jar Jar about it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just wants everybody to know that, like, he has been dreaming of this girl. Like, we talked about it yeah. in The Phantom Menace. Like, he has thought of no one but Padme for ten like, years. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, like, how stupid are these people? Like, he makes it so clear at the, the front end of, like, Attack of the Clones that he's, like, madly in love with this woman. And has been madly in love for ten year, ten whole years, and then like all the stuff that happens in the Clone Wars and like Revenge of the Sith, like you're like, oh, I wonder who like the dad of Padme's baby is. It's like, come on, guys. Like, really? well, I mean, like Obi Wan like knows because like you Clone Wars episodes, like it's pretty pretty clear. I think, and we might talk about this when we get closer to the end, but I think. Obi-Wan knows starting in the end of this movie yeah. that they are together. Yeah, because, like, when they're in the, like, whole, like, ring and everything, 
Mm-hmm. He knows. Yeah. Well, and like he just the way Anakin reacts and like at the end they're like, oh, where's Anakin? And he's like, oh, he's escorting Padme back to Naboo. It's like, why? <laughs> but lots of politics in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a lot of politics in the first movie, but in this one, I really so like since we got Dooku Jedi lost, like and we learned a lot about kind of where th- how things were going with the Republic and like who Dooku is as a person. Like one word, Dooku. I j- this man is <laughs> so great. He's just like very um, big in like personality. Like I would say he's very it's confident. He definitely has like his own ideas. Like mm-hmm. he leaves the Jedi and then he leads this powerful movement for systems to start breaking away from the Republic. Like, that's how you get the Separatists. And Mm -hmm. everything he says in this movie is, like, true. (laughs) Like, he tells the truth to Obi-Wan. He's like, the Republic is corrupt. Like, Mm -hmm. we're moving on. And, like, it it is very clear that, like, he is playing both sides the same way that Palpatine is because he's working for Sidious. Like, he knows that Sidious is playing both sides. But... Like, he has a point. <laughs> yeah. and But, I, I just, mean, like, Darksiders make a point of telling the truth to everyone. This is very true, because Maul tells the truth a lot, too. Mm-hmm. I really love... So they point out that, like, the Republic has stood for thousands of years, and it it's very clear, like, from The Phantom Menace into this movie that, like, the Republic is falling. Like, it it is falling prey to, like, these horrible things. And it made me... I was, like, very aware that we're going to be getting the High Republic. So I'm interested to see how that's going to go because there's going to be, like, an event in that. And I wonder if that's when we're going to start to see, like, the narrowing happen. And then we get into this, the prequels, and it's, like, so far gone. Mm -hmm. It's going to, like... I feel like it's going to kickstart at, like, the beginning of the Jedi changing their ways and security changing and, like, Mm -hmm. the role of the Jedi in wars, too. Yes, yes. I think that's where we're going to see it. Yes, I certainly hope so. There was another thing at the beginning where they talk about, so somebody wants to assassinate Padme, um, and they, (laughs) they think it could be Dooku, but the Jedi say that Dooku was once a Jedi. He couldn't assassinate anyone. It's not in his nature. And I, it took me just right to Dark Disciple. Yeah, really. Because then, like a cut, co- like like how many years after this is Dark Disciple? Like like two couple, or three. Yeah, a couple years later, the Jedi Council is ordering a Jedi to go assassinate. Dooku. Yeah, it's like they've changed. They've. It's not necessarily even that they've changed. It's just that like the way that their ideals have just completely shifted to where they're like, yeah, let's go assassinate this person. And the one person I would say who stays the same is Obi-Wan because he says mm-hmm. he says this line here and he's the one who speaks out against it in Dark Disciple. Yeah. Our precious good boy. Too good. We got to talk about this opening speeder chase and the worms and just... It's really bizarre. It's so... There's so much happening. Like, like, and you said to me while you're watching it that this is, like, the perfect representation of the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin. And I have to agree, like, they do a really, really great job at showing the audience in this sequence how adult, like, Anakin is with his master. 
They do, like, and, they, and it's really, like, it's, like, they achieve, like, it in a really short amount of time. And I, like, hats off to George Lucas for that scene. I remember hearing complaints, like, all the time about how, you know, we skip those 10 years, so, like, we don't get to see, like, the beginnings of Obi-Wan and Anakin. Like, we don't really see, like, how their relationship has, like, evolved, because we're kind of, like, thrown into it, like, in the middle. And people would always complain about it and say, like, well, they're talking about all these great times. We don't get to see the great times. And I'm like, that's what the beginning of this movie is for. Like, mm-hmm. every, like the way that they talk e- to each other, like, the way Anakin challenges Obi-Wan so much. Yeah. And then they go into this chase where, you know, we've just had this assassination attempt on Padme. And, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan are just, like, right out on it. Obi-Wan, like, jumps out a window they're like the way they go back and forth like the sass like Anakin pulling up in the speeder and he's like what took you so long it's like oh I I couldn't find one that I I liked you know it's like just the way they talk to each other is on full display what their relationship is and you get everything you need to know Star Wars is so successful when they just drop you in the middle of a scene and you get to see like an already like developed relationship flourish like it's already there but you get to see like the dynamic just like like through a tiny window of like their whole life mm-hmm. i i feel like that really is kind of like the prequels at its finest like mm-hmm. it it does such a good job of showing you the dynamics of a relationship without having to like tell you everything like yeah we do get a lot of like expositiony politics type stuff but when it comes to relationships like they really are trying to show you through, like, just other things that the characters are doing. I, so, like, okay, young Anakin is kind of creepy, I guess. He is. Um, He is. Um, Uh, I think especially towards the beginning. Yes. I think that it definitely does come off as creepy, and, like, I can see Mm -hmm. why people don't like it, because he's, you know, like, oh, she covered the cameras, I don't think she likes me watching her, and then later she's like, don't look at me like that, it makes me uncomfortable, and he, like, looks at her, like, winking face. Yeah, those two scenes specifically are the ones that, for me, are, like, yes, like, he is very creepy. Yes. red flags. Yes, but, like, I would say that... The movie is never trying to make you think that he's creepy. Yeah, I, think I think it just it just yeah. happened. <laughs> it's like it's the fault of the writing of of probably not having any women um, helping out with that yeah. scene. <laughs> um, I I, I really see it as um like Anakin is coming on like really strong. Like yeah. he he's been pining after this girl forever. Mm-hmm. And he finally meets her. And, like, there's two ways that this could go. Like, he could be so shy, but, like, we know that Anakin's not shy. So, like, he's coming on very strong. And I think, you know, like, Padme is not into it. And I think the problem is, is, like, we don't see the shift exactly. Because there's got to be a point with them. Like, they spend so much time together. Like, you know there's a point when... Padme softens to him, and there's probably also a point where Anakin backs off. Yeah. Because it, it, I was it very aware change. that, like, he he always... 
whenever Padme's like, uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm talking, like, it does kind of, like, great on him, just because, like, he's so young. Yeah. Um, that was very Kamala of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he he does, like, back off. Like, he has, like, such sub energy for Padme. So, like, yeah. I, I know that what she says and, like, her cues, like, probably do get to him and like he probably Mm -hmm. is like oh okay like I'm gonna change we just don't really see that yeah and I mean it's very late 90s early 2000s rom-com era too like Mm -hmm. you see that in a lot of those movies and like speaking of so you brought this up um who decided that Padme was gonna go for Anakin instead of Obi-Wan I said this to you, like, here's the thing, I ship Annie Dabba, like, endlessly, yes. Like, I am on the ship. But also, (laughs) if you were Padme, and, like, you saw Obi-Wan as a young woman, you would go for Obi-Wan, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, like, see, this is what I'm saying. Like, if we ever got, like, an Attack of the Clones, like, Annie Dalla book... I feel like it would start off with Padme not liking Anakin at all, maybe having a crush on Obi-Wan, at least appreciating yeah. his good looks, and then, like, eventually we would see the their relationship change, like any romance yeah. enemies to lovers type of thing. Um, and I think that would be a good way to do it. Um, there's definitely wrong ways to write um, that era. Oh, yes, we have, we have seen. Um, there's one author in particular that I don't want her anywhere near Attack of the Clones. I, I do think, too, that Palpatine... So Palpatine's the one who suggests that Obi-Wan be in charge of, like, protecting Padme. Yeah. He doesn't say Anakin. Mm-hmm. He says Obi-Wan. Because Palpatine assumes that the romance would happen between Obi-Wan and Padme. Yeah, I want to say that there's a line somewhere that, like, he thought he could get rid of Obi-Wan and Padme, like, with one stroke. Well, I think Palpatine is aware of Anakin's boyish crush on Padme. Oh, yeah. So he was like, well, if I can get Obi-Wan and Padme together, then he'll become super jealous. And, like, jealousy is, like, a trademark of the dark side. So, like, that's how I'm going to get rid of them. Yeah, and we do see, like, because Anakin goes and talks to Palpatine, and, like, we learn that they've been communicating and together for, like, a long time. Like, Palpatine has been grooming Anakin since he became a Jedi, which mm-hmm. is extremely Ben Solo. Um, I, so I, I definitely think that Palpatine knew that this was where the drama was, and he was just going to give it a little nudge. Be like, hmm. Just give it a little nudge in that direction, and uh, we'll see what happens, because Palpatine lives for the drama, and he just kind of goes with the flow. (laughs) I also wanted to point out, um, kind of in these opening scenes here, that Anakin tells Obi-Wan that he is the closest thing he has to a father, and he actually says that about Obi-Wan twice in this movie. Yeah, it's kind of weird, because I always see them as brothers, especially, like, like, I mean, you have the line in Revenge of the Sith, but... I still see them as brothers in this movie. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's kind of where um, some of, like, the growing pains come in. Because we, talk we talked about, like, last time that Obi-Wan probably had some sort of resentment at some level that he's mm-hmm. kind of been, you know, thrust this Padawan that he didn't want. And he's still growing up and learning himself. So now suddenly he has to teach this new person. 
So I wonder if you get a little bit of like a disconnect or a little bit of growing pains with they don't really know what to think of each other quite yet. Because I would say that definitely by the end of the Clone Wars, they are more brothers than they are like a father and son. Definitely. And you get him even like complaining to Padme that he's not letting him do anything, won't let him take the trials, blah, 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 like all this stuff. And it's it's so like a reflection of Master and Apprentice. Mm-hmm. It's such a reflection. It really is. And and I feel like since and see like this is where the problem with Obi-Wan's age comes in, because I always want to say that That he's Obi- only like five years older than Anakin, but he's not. He's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I think that Obi-Wan probably also didn't recognize this in Anakin soon enough because he himself was still growing out of it. Qui-Gon would have noticed it, like, immediately. But I think Mm -hmm. since Obi-Wan is still young and, like, he had just become a knight and all that kind of stuff, like, he... Not not that he wasn't equipped to teach Anakin, but I think they were both still learning. We also see that uh, in regards to Anakin, they talk about how arrogant he is. And we just said that, you know, like, he's holding me back and he won't let me do this and blah, blah, blah. Um, Yoda actually says that more and more Jedi are becoming arrogant. And it's not just the young ones. It's also the older Jedi. And I was just like, hmm, interesting. It's because they're getting more power. Mm hmm. They're being given more power that that like Jedi's never were involved with before. Yeah. I also think that them living in, like, the upper levels of Coruscant and not, like, they're not really part of any kind of, like, strife anymore. I feel like their their peacekeeping doesn't really extend to, like, the real problems. So they've kind of created this false sense of, like, I'm kind of above it all or, like, we don't have any problems to deal with type of thing. Mm -hmm. You see that in one episode of the Clone Wars when they attack Coruscant because they're like, nobody's going to make a decision because the war isn't real for them here. So they attack Coruscant. And I bet a lot of the Jedi suffer from that as well. Mm-hmm. So the next scene here, uh, Dex's diner. <laughs> um. So Shannon wrote Dex in our notes. And <laughs> I can just like, I can hear it. Like, <laughs> like I can... <laughs> I can hear Ewan McGregor saying this. Yes. I just, I don't know whose idea it was for Dex and Dex's diner. Like, Obi-Wan coming in and just being like, what's up? Incredible. The size of your pocketbook. Yes. (laughs) Them cloners. Them cloners, yeah. Them cloners. Wow. Just, like, this is... I love when Star Wars is just dumb like this. Yeah. Like, it's great. It's just, it makes me very happy. And good thing Attack of the Clones has a lot of this dumb stuff. This dumb stuff, yes. I think we're ready to talk about my favorite part of this movie, which is Anakin Padme on Naboo, the bodyguard senator AU AU. that we live for. Except it's not an AU, because it actually happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but we've, we've read Raylo versions of this. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, man. This is where, like, I wish we could see more. Like, if we were going to get a book 
I, this is what I want to see. Like, I want to see their relationship yeah. from start to finish. I want to see it, her go from you're making me uncomfortable to I've been dying inside. Like, I love you so much, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I've been dying a little bit every day. Yes. <laughs> um, we haven't gotten to that, got to that part yet, but... Yeah, so Naboo is... It's a really, like, flourishing place. Like, especially Varakino, the lake house. Mm-hmm. It is, like, full of life, like, greenery, um, water everywhere, and, like, so their love story flourishes in this, like, beautiful climate, basically. It's the polar opposite, I would say, of Tatooine. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's full of life and full of beauty, whereas Tatooine is just barren and it's just a dead planet, and... Ugh, just the use of like across the stars and this being like a safe haven where they're very much like away from everything. It's just so good. It's so yeah. chef's kiss. They even travel to Naboo disguised as refugees. Like, <laughs> and this is where we get the conversation where they're, they're talking about love and attachment and Anakin says, you know, compassion, which I would describe as unconditional love. Like, that's something that the Jedi are encouraged to do. I love that. I love and I love the unconditional love. It's just, ah, uh, it's, it's very good. I really love how happy Anakin is, like, in especially almost in all the of field. these scenes. Especially if <laughs> he giggles. I know. And, like, he makes a joke. I know, like, a lot of people lately have really been on this, like, um, Star Wars fascism train. Mm-hmm. And... Anakin does, like, yes, red flag. He does make a joke about, like, a dictatorship. But it's also very clear that, like, he is kidding. Like, he's just he's just talking to Padme. Like, they're just kind of joking around. And so I think... So romantic. <laughs> well, I think it's nice for Padme to kind of, like... You can see how passionate it is about what she does. And I think it's nice that she has somebody that is he exists outside of all of that so she can talk about it but she doesn't have to like worry about what she's saying or who she's talking to like it can just kind of be like a lighthearted whatever just out here in this field mm-hmm. and r2's with them too and he's just like this chaotic boy also r2 is so chaotic <laughs> mm-hmm. and like okay so like i was talking to you about this but are like they're at the lighthouse by themselves. Mm-hmm. And Padme dresses up every single day. But, like, if I were in this situation, I would probably wear pajamas every day. <laughs> like, she is, like, not coy. Oh, no. Yes. She's very much, like, let me dress up for my Jedi suitor and have an outfit that matches every room of the house that we're gonna be in <laughs> like uh, okay like you don't like her her lake dress her yeah, her sunsetty like, really like dress it, it's backless okay like you don't wear this like backless dress if you don't like this guy but it's very obvious yes and like okay even in that scene like anakin is like sh- touching her back <laughs> And, yeah. like, that's that's when she lets him kiss her, 
And, and we get my favorite line, which is, I don't like sand. Uh, it's my yeah. favorite line of all of Star Wars. <laughs> but, like, I love that in that moment, you know, it's so obvious that, like, she really is falling for him. And yeah. when she breaks off the kiss, like, Across the Stars was, like, starting to swell. And then it just, like, mm-hmm. dies. It drops off. It drops Ugh. off. So good. Okay, but question. Where did Anakin learn how to kiss? Like, does he have hollows? Th- Padme teaches him how to kiss. No, but like, <laughs> I guarantee like you, scene. I I guarantee you that was his first ever kiss. Yeah, but like, how did he even know like to initiate it? And do they play seven minutes I'm, in heaven I'm not, yeah. in the like, Jedi I'm not Academy? Saying, like it was a good kiss for him. Like I'm just saying, like, like he, like, what's the deal? This is a good. How question. do you all like? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I do not know. Do they have like do they have like um access to watching TV? In, in you the know that they movie? smuggle hollows that they're not supposed to be watching. Yeah. They've got to. Yeah. <laughs> the spice runner hollows, I'm sure they get very spicy. <laughs> 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 yes, but this is totally Anakin's first kiss and we know that Padme has liked other guys. We don't know yeah. a whole lot about her romantic backstory. Um, but yeah, I'm willing to bet that everything Anakin knows he get, he learns from Padme. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of that kiss, um, later on, we get, um, after the pair, the the floating pair, which, which Anakin's... Which not real. The not real pair. I love when Anakin says, if Master Obi-Wan caught me doing this, he'd be very grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he says it. I'm like, oh my god. (laughs) But after this, we get um, Padme in her BDSM outfit. Yeah. And they're sitting in front of this fire, and Anakin says that he's haunted by the kiss that she never should have given him, and that he's hoping that that kiss kiss doesn't become become a scar. scar. Oh my god. I do like it. I do like it. He says, like, in that he's like, we could keep it a secret. And, like, I, yeah. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I really love that scene. I'm not gonna lie. I, I do, too. I, I, I love it, too, because this is, like, Padme, like, she's trying to stay rational. Like, I feel like, judging from the outfit, um, she was totally ready to, like, be like, yes, I'll be your girlfriend, whatever. Um, but like she knows, like, you're you're a Jedi. I'm a senator. Yeah. <laughs> so she's it's she, like, we can't keep the secret, it would destroy us. She's being rational-ish. Yeah. Like, I mean, a totally rational person wouldn't have worn that dress. No. No, that's for sure. But like we've we've talked about this before, like with Queen Shadow. Like, I I think Anakin brings out that, like, want for adventure and, like, that want to, like, break out of, like, her every day. Like, yeah. he brings that out of her. And I, I kind of think you can you can interpret that in this yeah. way. I just... <laughs> Anakin even says, like, you're expecting me to be rational, which is something I cannot do. <laughs> it's so dramatic. I love it He's so, so much. He's so dramatic. He's so, so dramatic. Oh, it's so good. I just... Man, it's so great. And, like, after this, this is when he has another nightmare about his mother. And 
if man if the jedi had just let him go and check on his mother like when he started having these dreams like things would have been very different mm-hmm. um i really admire the fact that padme like he says that he's going like whether she goes or not but i, I admire the fact that like padme believes him and trusts him and is like you know like if this if you need to do this then i'm gonna stand with you on it and padme like stands by him until she dies she really does she even says that there's still good in him Mm -hmm. i i really think that she she knows a side of anakin that i don't know if anybody else really gets to see and we don't even necessarily get to see it like we get glimpse of it here on naboo but until we get like more of like an in-depth into their like romance here i don't know if we'll get to see it either kind of going back to the Jedi here. So, like, the other side of the story is Obi-Wan, you know, trying to find out who this assassin is. It leads him to them cloners on Kamino, uh, <laughs> where he finds that they've built a clone army that was ordered by Master Sifo-Dyas. And after um, Jedi Lost, like, I really love hearing about him because Sifo-Dyas is a precious baby. And I feel like it does kind of give a little bit of insight into, like, how Dooku has brought ideas to Palpatine. Like, this totally came from Dooku. Yeah. Yeah. And after this, like, Yoda says that I think it's time to inform the Senate that our ability to use the Force has diminished. And that's a really intense thing to say. Mm -hmm. Because they've been hiding it up until now, and they're like, I think we actually have to say something. Yeah, and Mace doesn't want to say anything, because he says that you know, are, or maybe, I forget who says what, but they don't want to reveal it because they don't want their enemies to know that they've become so vulnerable. Because, like, Mace is like, oh, there's definitely someone in the Senate who is Mm -hmm. our enemy. Yeah. So, and I think, like, we see that the secret that Anakin and Padme are going to keep does destroy them. And in the same way, this secret that the Jedi have lost their way and, you know, they've realized it, but they're not going to say anything about it. Like, that leads to the downfall as well. Like, I think about, you know, the Ahsoka Leaves arc, like, everything that it does to her. So, going back to Anakin and Padme on Tatooine, nothing good ever happens on Tatooine. I'm sorry. No. No. Can you name, like, was, anything no. good? The pod race. That's it. Yeah, but it doesn't result to anything good because, like... Qui-Gon doesn't get to take both Anakin and his mom. No. And in Mandalorian, doesn't result in anything good either. Mm-mm. When we see Tatooine in the originals, the last, well, the last we see of it in A New Hope is the homestead burning mm-hmm. and, you know, Beru and Owen dead. Um, when we go back, it's to rescue Han. Like, we're not, like, in that homestead area, um, and here, we return to Tatooine, we find out that his mother has been taken, um, they assume that she's dead because she's been gone for so long, and when we leave Tatooine this time, it's a graveyard, because he's gonna bury his mother here, like, ta- like there is nothing left for Tatooine him. Tatooine is literally a graveyard. It's literally a graveyard. And I-, I am interested to see, like, if they do anything with it, with the Obi-Wan series, because, like, obviously he's going to be there and Luke's going to grow up there, but with Luke, like, the goal was always to leave. Like, there's nothing for the Skywalkers on Tatooine anymore because Shmi Skywalker's dead. 
there's no Skywalkers left. I was really struck when Anakin goes and saves her and she sees him and she says, I'm so proud of you. Now I am complete. And she finally lets go. And she says several times she tries to say, I love you. And she can never say it. It's so so heartbreaking. (sighs) It just, to me, is so obvious that like, you know, the original sin. Um, Yeah. Anakin was taken away from his mother. And when he's brought back to her, he never gets to hear her say that she loves him. And, you know, like, that's something that, like, Luke's never going to get either, um, but that's not really part of his journey. And it was definitely something that I think all of us were hoping Ben Solo was going to get, that return home. But, I mean, it's so sad that, like, the first Skywalker dies Anakin's arms, and then the last Skywalker dies in Rey's arms. Love it. Makes me... It's so great. Oh, it's so great. (laughs) I I do like, though, um, so, like... After this, Anakin gets so upset and so angry, and he he murders everyone, not just the men, but the women and the children, too. He'd slaughtered them like animals. Um, but Yoda says that, like, he's, he senses it, and he says, like, something terrible has happened. Young Skywalker is in terrible pain. Like, that's what the prequels are about. Like, it's about this fall for Anakin, and I just think... He never comes back from this. Because he, he talks about it with Padme. And, like, people talk about how, like, this should have been red flags for Padme because he murdered everybody, whatever. But he says, you know, like, I'm good at fixing things, but I couldn't save her. Why couldn't I save her? Yeah. I'm going to become powerful. I'm going to stop people from dying. Like, this is the moment when he just, like, holds on with, like, a death yeah. grip and he cannot let go. Well, he tries to grasp for control. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all about that. Like, he... He feels like he's always had control over all of his situations, like, building things, fixing things. And, like, this is the first time in his life where he literally had no control. Yeah. Like, and I think, you know, that's why he's so confident in the beginning and, you know, talking to Padme and all this. And now we see it, like, all stripped away. And he is this little boy on Tatooine again who, you know, now he's lost his mom. And he he couldn't do anything to help her. I think he felt invincible and now he's realized that he's not. And the Jedi teachings would like encourage him to like, you know, learn from this and to grow and all of that. But the Jedi have really failed him and he doesn't think that, you know, they they don't really listen to him. They don't nurture him in the way that he needs. So it's very clear and like very obvious to me that like in this moment, like, yeah, he's going to turn to his buddy Palpatine because Palpatine right now is like the only one who he thinks like believes in him and as we'll see later like gives him like an illusion to maybe he could save some more people. I just never really noticed that line before and now I just like Anakin was so happy and now it's just he's forever changed by this moment by burying his mother on Tatooine. Yeah. I think there's, like, a big difference in his maturity after this, too. Mm-hmm. And he's like, not I, as, like, boyish anymore. Yeah. And I haven't watched, like, all of the Clone Wars, but it, it does make me think about him during this war. Because I, I definitely think that he kind of flourishes in this time of war because he has a purpose. And him being, like, a general and he's in charge, I think, like you said, like, he, he it's something that he can control. He has a lot of control over this. And... 
it definitely makes sense, you know, like, he's not going to want to lose anybody because he fixes things. He should be able to save people, you know. If only the Jedi had therapy, maybe things would be different, but... Yeah, maybe. I think it's hilarious that... So, they're trying to, like, get this motion in the Senate so that they can approve this army and keep going and they're like fine we'll give emergency powers to palpatine but who would propose this palpatine literally manipulates jar jar binks <laughs> into doing this for him that was so funny like but jar jar's so baby like i know i feel bad i know all he had to do was say like you know oh if only senator um Amidala was here, she would know what to do, and Jar Jar's like, I I have to do something. Like, oh, it made me so sad that he did this to him. Finally, we get to the end, well, the end end, yeah, Geonosis. It's it's a long end. (laughs) It is a long end. I I feel like um, with all of the prequels, they don't really, like, the ending kind of goes on and on and on. Like, we have them breaking into the droid factory, then we have the arena, then we have the fight with Dooku, and then we have another fight with Dooku. Like, it, yeah, it, it keeps on going. The droid factory is, like, it is such a product of its time, I find. It is, it is. It really is, like, the hijinks of, like, the droid factory is very, like, common in movies then. It It's really, yeah, It it's pure <laughs> hijinks, and it's also, like, you know, it's the beginning of R2 and C-3PO's relationship. Yeah. Um, which sweet. I actually do like seeing. Um, mm-hmm. I do think it's funny. <laughs> um, so, like, I'm not mad at it. I'm, I'm not mad and, at it. And, um, I mean, good Anakin Padme um, stuff going on there. Yeah, them good trying moments. Trying to, like, help each other through, like, the maze, quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. Of course, they do inevitably get caught um, and are wheeled out into this arena. And before they are wheeled out, Padme decides that since they're probably going to die, might as well confess my love for you. (laughs) Um, This is just like, it's so George Lucas. (laughs) It is just like, he, like, George Lucas loves to do these, like, like, huge love confessions. Mm-hmm. Always in like, in like death circumstances, like you see it in Empire Strikes Back, also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, like they're just like so grand and huge and very dramatic because Skywalker's are dramatic. I I definitely think that it it needed to happen because otherwise I think Padme wouldn't have said anything because mm-hmm. she says it because she thinks they're gonna die. Um, because, yeah. like, she knows that, like, keeping it a secret is going to destroy her. But, like, like she says, you know, I've been dying a little each day since you came back into my life. And it just, I I can't imagine, like, what it felt like for Anakin. Because Anakin, like, w- we talked about, like, with the BDSM moment. Um, You know, he, he so wants to be, like, validated and, like, please tell me, like, you feel this way, too. Like, please tell me, like, this is eating you alive, like, it's eating me alive. And I feel like in this moment, like, it just, to know that Padme like does release, feel the same yeah. way. Yes. Ugh. Like. I love, I love when he says, I thought we had decided not to fall in love. Ugh. That's <laughs> such a good line. 
<laughs> like, what kind of YA? <laughs> it's so good. Oh, it's so good. The kiss is so good. It's really good. It's shot beautifully. I, it like, really I is. Love, I love the way they frame it. With mm-hmm. the, like, it's like Hunger Games who? Like, this is the best. Yeah. It's like this, th- like, like, uh, like, Attack of the Clones walk. Yeah. So Hunger Games could run. <laughs> yes, yes. So they go out onto the field, and we get some more sass with Obi Wan. I love Obi Wan in this movie is just pure sass, and I really appreciate that. He's um, great. He's just he's so great. Um, but they escape. The Jedi come. Big fight. Um, I will say that one thing that has always I'm just like, why was this here? Is when Padme jumps onto the the beast with Anakin lands mm. like in a saddle position and you're and like the, okay yeah I'm like ow and then she just awkwardly kisses him on the cheek <laughs> <laughs> you think Obi-Wan saw that oh 100% like Obi-Wan totally saw that he was like uh excuse but remember in Star Wars it's all about kisses of gratitude so oh yeah <laughs> it was a kiss of gratitude um the, the next thing that I really think um, that I liked in this was when they are chasing after Dooku and Padme falls out of the transport ship and mm-hmm. Anakin is, like, inconsolable. Yeah. Yes. Like, and he's Obi-Wan told, like, Yeah, he's told, like, oh, no, like, she would want you to go on. Like, she'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Obi-Teen. Yeah. Because... Obi-Wan decides not to kill Maul because it's not what Satine would have wanted. Obi-Wan is so, like, he really thinks about a lot of choices he makes. Mm-hmm. And how, like, like how they affect other people. Yeah. I feel like it's so, it's so unspoken, but I, I really think that from here on, like, Obi-Wan knows about Anakin and Padme like he he just knows or at least like just like yeah like he just has like intuition like yeah and and like i get the feeling that he he just doesn't ever say anything and and i wonder if maybe anakin like knew he knew but like was was never spoken yeah it was was never sure ah because like i wish they had like talked about it though i kind of like like i love the drama Oh yeah, it, it's such huge <laughs> drama because it's like this, it's just this unspoken thing that like they don't talk about, but like they know is happening. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like I don't know. Like I, I, I do wonder like what would have been different like if Obi Wan had said something. Like clearly Obi Wan did not give Anakin the talk. Um, I don't think Anakin ever got the talk. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, like we said, they they probably sneak hollow vids. <laughs> so like that's his knowledge i really so like you know they're all about like no attachment and stuff so like mm-hmm. i guess i guess the jedi are just like pure abstinence like do they have like a sex ed class in jedi academy i don't know because like rail is so like with like just sleeping around mm-hmm. like he's I, like oh no i'm not breaking any like rules like, yeah it's fine. so like i don't know like I just want to know is it is it is it like you know abstinence or you go to hell or do they have like an actual sex education? 
No, it's not you go to hell. It's you go to the dark side. Yeah, it's you go like, to the dark it's side. Like, oh, that's right. That's if you right. Do any of this, you'll be a dark sider. Yeah, you'll be a dark sider. Your eyes your will eyes, turn yellow. Yeah, your eyes will turn yellow immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it like um, if you touch yourself, you'll go blind? Like, yeah. is that their version of it? Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, if if Obi Wan had just given, because see, like. I don't know about Obi-Wan's relationship with Rail. I don't know if they ever had, like, more of a relationship after Master and Apprentice. But I feel like yeah. Rail would have given Obi-Wan the talk. So maybe it's, like, on whoever your master is. Like, it's maybe. not, like, a group class. It is on whoever your master is. And so then that would mean, in Anakin's case, like, Obi-Wan <laughs> would have to. I'm just thinking about, um... <laughs> you know, it's our head canon that Luke is like, oh, you touch a finger, you get pregnant. And I'm like, oh, it, it makes sense. Yoda was his master. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So, yeah, it, like, because Rael's master was Dooku, right? Yeah. So, yeah, like, Dooku would tell him. Yeah, but Dooku's master was Yoda. So. I, maybe, wait, who was, um... Sifo's master. Oh, Sifo is master. I don't remember either, but sh- uh, she or they or I can't remember it. They had like the convor. They totally told Sifo. Yeah. So Sifo told Dooku. Yes. There we go. There we we go. figured it out. It all comes back to Sifo <laughs> But clearly, see, I just don't understand why Obi Wan wouldn't give Anakin the talk. Maybe he thought he didn't need the talk because he goes off and gets married. I don't, I, I think that Obi-Wan's just awkward. Like, I don't think he would know what to say. This is true. I feel like he'd be, like, one of those dads where he sits down and just be like, so, good talk, and, like, without saying anything, and just leaves. Yeah. <laughs> Aw, poor bros. Poor bros. But that does bring us to the end of the film. Um, we do get the fight with Dooku, um, not only between Anakin and Obi-Wan, but also with Yoda. Um, Anakin loses his arm, I love the way that he lands on Obi-Wan, like, so perfectly with his head. (laughs) Like, this was not staged at all. Like, I love that. It's so cute. Um, We also get the reveal at the end that he is Darth Tyrannus and he's working for Darth Sidious. Um, And I, I really like that they say that this... Even though Dooku got away, like, they counted it as a victory. And Yoda says, like, it's not a victory. Like, war has begun. And he says, the shroud of the dark side has fallen. I kind of feel like this Yoda is different from the Phantom Menace Yoda. Because I think he's really starting to see that, like, they've messed up. And that they've probably gone too far. But he still doesn't do anything about it, which is why, like, in Revenge of the Sith, we're going to see, like, he takes it really hard. And, like, that's why he exiles Mm -hmm. himself. Because in this moment, like, he he knew. He already knew. So I think that's going to wrap it up for Attack of the Clones. Uh, Such a good movie. You Mm -hmm. you mentioned this on Twitter. This might be your second favorite saga film. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's definitely up there. It makes me happy. Like... It does. It's gotten so hard for me to rank Star Wars films now because I'm like, yeah. I like this film because it's dumb and nothing bad happens and it makes me really happy. But then, like, I also love Rogue One because it makes me hurt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, in a good way. 
Uh, it's just, it's so, so good. I'm really excited to get to Revenge of the Sith, though, because I I love Revenge of the Sith. Like, yeah. especially because of the novelization. Can you believe we're already getting to Revenge of the Sith and then we're going to be at Mando? No, I can't. Like, what? I know. I saw a tweet today. We're recording this on Sunday. Um, Mandalorian is only 19 days away. Whoa. I know. Isn't that crazy? I keep forgetting that Mando is coming. <laughs> So like soon. October has this first week has lasted like ten years, so <laughs> I keep forgetting it's been, that it's like, coming. So chaotic and just like all over the place. It really has. But like, how fitting is that for Attack of the Clones? Yeah, it is fitting. <laughs> yes. So I think both of us agree. Um, if you want to feel good about Star Wars, like Attack of the Clones is really like the movie for that, for <laughs> sure. So, like we said, next time we will be talking about Revenge of the Sith, which I am super excited for. I might try to squeeze in a reread of the novel. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm very behind it's on my TBR. It's a pretty heavy novel. It is. The first 150 pages is literally just them rescuing Palpatine on that ship. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Like, you get, like, a whole page about Obi-Wan and Anakin, like, in, like, his ass. You really do. It's so good. If you haven't read the Revenge of the Sith novelization, like, it's what, like, changed me as a person. Like, it's such a good yeah, book. Yeah, it's really good. Um, but I'm super excited for that. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, you can pretty much always find us on Twitter. We are at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon, and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And that is everything got for you for this episode. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.